Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So, who had a good week? I asked you earlier. Change your mind yet? If you haven't had a good week, you had good worship now, then your week can be good. Amen? So um, we're looking at a series that we are busy with, and the series is, What is Your Destiny and Your Purpose? I think that's such an important question at the start of the year as well. It's like, what is your destiny? What is your purpose? Um, I'm going to ask it differently this morning. Is what is your plan? What is your plan for life? And then the second question is, are you living your calling? Are you living in your calling? Maybe another question is, do you know what your calling is? I mean, that's important questions. Like, they say in life, you need to know where you come from, you need to know where you are, and you need to know where you're going. And without that, you're a bit lost. And a lot of people don't know where they are, they don't know where they come from, and they have no idea or clue where they're going. They maybe not even care. But that's why we are here this morning, and part of why we are here is to make sure that we know where we come from, we know whose we are, and who we are. I want to ask you another question this morning is, how's your friendships? How is your friendships? How is, how's your relationships? How are you doing relationally? At our Ironman meeting on Friday morning, we also asked some, some deep questions. And if you want to join us every Friday morning at 7, we meet at bootleggers in town, and it's just a bunch of guys getting together and just doing life. Being real. Like, uh, you can ask Keith, we're just having conversation. Amen. And it's awesome. The word says in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And the Amplified says, so one man sharpens another through conversation. And I think that's so important for us to have conversation around the word, around life, destiny, purpose, and all these things. Now asking you, are you living your calling? I'm asking you, what is your plan and your destiny? And the next question then is, what are, what are God's plans and destinies for you? You know, we have plans. But God has a plan. And we're not always sure whether those plans line up. It's good if they do. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and this faith was credited to him by God as righteousness and as conformity to his will. And he was called the friend of God. <coughs> How's your friendship? With God. Never taught on this before, but I was just so overwhelmed when I realized that God calls me friend. Like, I don't know how you see God, I don't know how you relate to God, I don't know where you think God is, but how's your friendship with God? I hope that brings a, a different dimension to your relationship with God, because God is not the man up there, the Ochroete or whatever people refer to Him as far away. I think a lot of what we do in life and ministry is to help people show that God is not far, but He's here. He's near. Technically, He's not the way maker, even though we enjoyed that song. Because Jesus said, I am the way. So He's made the way. And yes, now that manifests in life, and we need to find a way of doing life. We need to find our destiny, our purpose. But if we really think about it, our destiny is God. Your end destination, that's your destiny. Your purpose then 
is, amongst other things, to be a friend of God. How's your friendship with God? Now, interestingly, the Greek text is often translated friend of God, but we speak of a Greek word there, philos, which is linked to the word phileo. And phileo is one of the types of love that we don't have an English word for. And I think it was at Jarkins and A's wedding where uh, his uh, best man spoke about phileo and how it's a self-sacrificial love. If you think about it, it's like Jonathan and David. The relationship between Jonathan and David was one of phileo. It was closer than a brother. But Jonathan even laid down the scepter, if you will. And he knew that David would be king instead of him. He was willing to lay down because of love. A love that bonds friends together. Interestingly, the friend of God there is not a noun, but an adjective. It's not something necessarily, but it's more a way. It means to be dear, to be friendly, to be actively fond of. Actively fond of. Now, we're not speaking about romantic relationships here. We're talking about a friendship relationship. I'm asking you, how does this fit in with your purpose and destiny then? Philo is also described as one of the bridegroom's friends who on his behalf asked the hand of the bride and rendered him various services in closing the marriage and celebrating the nuptials. When I read that, like, it's just amazing. Because what are we doing? We're asking the hand of the bride on behalf of the bridegroom, Christ. And that's what we call ministry. So that's your destiny is friend of God. You are invited, asked to be Jesus' best man. Ladies, you too. Okay? <laughs> You're invited to be the best man who asks the hand of the bride and then makes sure that the marriage happens. That's ministry. We know there's a marriage feast of the Lamb and everyone is invited, but everyone doesn't know it. So isn't that amazing? So when we think of ambassador, we think political. Which is a bit of a, a miss. If we think that we are representing Christ, we shouldn't think politically. We should think like a best man representing the bridegroom. Isn't that more intimate? Isn't that more relational? Isn't that more love? Isn't that more God? How's your friendship with God? What an amazing picture of Christ, we being His friend, His representative, and His ambassador. So I'm writing here, it says, Our destiny is to be friends of God. That's identity. Your destiny is to be a friend of God. That's your identity. And your purpose is to ask the hand of the bride on His behalf. That's ministry. Can I let you in on a little secret? I'm not the only one here called to ministry. You are all called to ministry. Because Ephesians 4 says that part of my job is to equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. So who's called to ministry? It's good news, by the way. You look so... Ah, It's the best news. Amen? It's the best purpose. It's the best thing. You get up in the morning... Not necessarily with a smile on your face, but with purpose in your heart. Because you know there's more. I'm a friend of God. 
and I'm going to invite the bride to come and marry him. We should be drawing people then to God, not to ourselves. The best man is not there to get married. A lot of ministry, people are drawing people to themselves and not to Jesus. That's not a good bridegroom, is a good best man. Maybe you know of a story where a best man ran off with the bride. Not a good story, is it? <laughs> Maybe Netflix will do something with it, but it's not, um, it's not good for the relationship. Acts 20, 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things and drawing people as disciples away after them. Are you being drawn to God, or are you being drawn away to follow someone, a person, or a so-called man or woman of God? Is the ministry that you're receiving, the messages that you're listening to, the videos, the books that you're reading, are they drawing you to God or to someone? Because we are only called to be the best man, inviting the bride to come and marry the bridegroom, which is Christ. Verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word commend there is again something that we need to explain from the King James. I commend you to God. That sounds like a letter of recommendation, doesn't it? When you leave your job and you think you did okay, you ask your manager to, to write you a letter of recommendation. Or you do an internship. You ask for a letter of recommendation. That word is not speaking about that. That word is speaking about a placing alongside. So what he's doing is, he says, I'm taking you, and my job is not to put you next to me. My job is to take you and commend you, to place you alongside Christ, to link you to Him, not to me. You know, in Acts, we have a great example of this, where um, Philip, he, uh, he's traveling, and the Holy Spirit says, run. And we don't know how fast he ran, but he overran a chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch. Think about that. that we, we miss it if we just read it, but I mean, they might, be, they might have gone slow, but they might have been quick. And then maybe, just maybe, I like to think that he was the first flash, you know, like <laughs> where he had a red suit and he, he ran faster than anyone else. The point is, Philip ministers to the Ethiopian eunuch from the Old Testament, interestingly, from the book of Isaiah. He ministers to him Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. Philip disappears. And the eunuch rejoices. That's ministry. Connecting people unto Christ, not unto me, because if I connect you unto Christ, you can receive for yourself, and I can connect more people New people. Okay, now like Leon said, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> the word we had for this church is this is a hospital. Where hurt people and sick people come in and leave. But guess what? Every hospital has some permanent staff. Okay, so we'll be okay. <laughs> some of you have been longer, yeah, longer than I have. You're part of the team here. Okay, you're part of the furniture. And we appreciate you. So the hospital needs team, staff, furniture. Okay, 
So where do you fit in? <laughs> or you're getting healed to, to, to be sent out. Now, maybe just there, what is grace life? What is grace life? Some people have asked us, are you not a mission organization? Are you a group of churches? When I explained it to family over the holidays, they said to me, oh, it sounds like a training center. Now, yes, all of the above. I'm going to read to you, Grace Life is a church making, uh, a church, it's a discipleship making community, shepherded by ordained elders and pastors who gather regularly to be discipled and to grow through teaching. We grow in relationship with each other. We are a family. We worship God together in song, partake in the spirit together through ministry to one another, to be equipped to live out our purpose. Okay, so we've got a number of things in place, and which was awesome at the beginning of the year, as a leadership we met and we said, we don't really need to start anything new this year. Now if you know Shane, that's a big statement. (laughs) Because sometimes it feels like he's always doing something new. The only new thing we'll do is Leadership Academy, which is replacing second year ministry school. Okay, so there I said it. Um, Because then we have everything we need to have a church family, to grow people, to get people healed and healthy, to pastor you, to feed you, to take care of you, and then to equip you through ministry school, boot camp, school of the believer, and then if you want to, if you feel led to, we can equip you, send you out, and still take care of you wherever your mission as part of Grace Ambassadors, which is our ministry arm. And we never planned all of that. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect strategy, doesn't it? I think it does. But it was little building blocks that God put together as we just communed with Him, fellowship with Him, and now we have all of this. So we have a ministry to place people alongside Christ, not ourselves, by connecting them, getting them married, and introducing them to the bridegroom. Now, let's look at what the concept of friend of God. So we looked at philo and phileos in the Greek. But you know, the Old Testament is not separate from the New Testament. It's, 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 it's God's word, all of it. Some of it is Hebrew, some of it is Greek. Now we can look at the same concept then from the Greek. In Second Chronicles 20 and verse 7, it says, Are you not our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham your friend forever? Isn't that amazing? So Moses is speaking to God and he says, Hey God, you had a friend, Abraham. And we look at what that means, and that means affection. Abraham, the one you have affection for. You see, guys, we can get very weird with friendships, and I think the modern world makes it more difficult to have true friendships because people think it's weird. But there's an affection there. There's a, there's a care. There's a laying down your life. So isn't Abraham the one you had affection for? This is in the Old Testament. You see, God's love is not New Testament. A loving God is not the one who shows up in the New Testament with Jesus. No, He loved, therefore He sent. He is love, He cannot do anything else. So one of the purposes of Jesus' manifestation then, or God taking on flesh, was to help us understand, one, who God is, and two, what He is like. If people couldn't grasp this Holy Spirit idea or this supernatural idea because they were carnal. So then Jesus came and um, John 1 says he took on flesh. 
You know what that is? That's translation. So he translated something unseen into something seen. And then Thomas says, God shows us the Father. He says, but if you see me, you've seen the Father, because I am, he doesn't say I am him, but that's technically, <laughs> I am the Father and the Son, because we're all one. I am translating to you what God is like. So did Jesus make anyone sick? What is God like? Did Jesus heal some people? So what is God like? Did Jesus touch the leper? So is God like Jesus? Or is God like the law that says, do not touch the leper? We have to think about it. Moving on swiftly. John fifteen fifteen, I do not call you servants any longer. And I really believe this is a deep word for us this morning. Where God says, I do not call you servants any longer. How do you see yourself in relation to God? He says, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you. The Amplified says, my friends. I've called you friends. Because I have revealed to you everything that I've heard from my father. Friends, philos, who God is, what he's like, and what he's doing on the earth. That is what that friendship entails. The Passion says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Do you see yourself as the most intimate and cherished friend of God? And I guess most of us don't. Like, let's be true. Let's flip it on its head. Does God see you as one of His most intimate and cherished friends? According to the Bible, yes. So who are you going to believe? God or you? The Word says, let God be true in every manner. A liar. You know, sometimes, I'm sure we all have those friendships where either you think this is your best friend and they don't, or they think you're their best friend and you don't necessarily... You see, you can be someone's best friend, but they don't need to be your best friend. Because you might have a better friend. <laughs> but you're just the best that they have. Which is fine. It's interesting how God says, I, I want to be intimate in friendship with you. Like a best man. You know, the night before your wedding, or in the build-up to a wedding, there's a relationship between a, a, a groom and the best man, but that relationship even grows. Because you're going through stuff, and you're sharing hearts, and you're sharing things that you haven't shared before, Mostly. You know, I was, uh, I'll give you a tip, if you're not married yet, ask someone who's not married yet to be your best man. Because then you have some leverage. Nah? Because whatever they do to you, you can get them back. <laughs> so I asked my brother to be my best man, and he was very kind with me, at my bachelor's and everything. And then he returned the favor and he asked me to be his best man, but he didn't have leverage, because I was already married. <laughs> So God is not into leverage, but God is into that intimate, cherished friendship. 
Okay? You know, in the context of the Bible, this friendship is speaking of something deeper even than a brother. Deeper than a brother. Closer than a brother, the word says. Now, in the Old Testament, Abraham gets old, and then he gets a son, (laughs) when he's a hundred. Then he calls his oldest servant when Isaac is 40 years old. And he says, go find a wife for my son. And he goes to, I think, Haran. And he finds a wife. And he asks Rebecca to come and marry a person she hasn't met. That's exactly what we're talking about. We are inviting people to come into a relationship with a God they haven't met and then we're introducing them to a God they haven't met yet. If you read the story, the servant, I've never read it like this. You read it, but sometimes you just you miss some of the information. I still don't know how. But that's why the word is so supernatural. And it says that he was the oldest servant. I think if you read it, he put his hand under his thigh and there, there was a covenant relationship there. And the guy prays on the way. And he prays to God. And he says, God, give me good speed. And he says, the one who gives water to me and the camels. I think we spoke about it briefly last week. Do you think the servant's relationship with God was stronger after that adventure than before? Do you think he enjoyed the celebration when Isaac and Rebecca became husband and wife? So why do you think ministry is hard work? That is ministry. That's what we call to. To enjoy God, to hear His voice, to find the gold, to invite them to the marriage feast and then to be part of the party. And in that, our relationship with God strengthens. And we get to see Him as friend, not master. And if you read how kind Abraham was to the servant, he says, if you don't come right, it's fine. I'm not keeping it against you. But we somehow think ministry is, sure, stuff. Well, it is laying down your life. Welcome. Best thing you'll ever do. Amen? I love what Etienne says, our pastor in Tiger Book. He says, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. That conversation around the dinner table. I had a conversation with my hairdresser. And then the people on the seat behind me was also listening in and looking over their shoulders. Luckily, no one's ear got cut off. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. But if it happens that they come and be introduced to the, to the bridegroom, isn't that amazing? Ministry and mission. You didn't choose me, John fifteen sixteen, but I chosen and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit, and your fruit will last, because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, He will give it to you. So, this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. I was thinking about the, the, the thing about love your neighbor. And then there's always the question of who's your neighbor? I'm asking you, 
Who's your neighbor? Because I really believe you choose. Because where you get involved, that's where people will be next to you. If you never get involved, then you never have a neighbor. But if you're willing to step out from your comfort zone and to get into dark and difficult places, you get more neighbors. See, if you live in a mansion on the seafront, you only have two neighbors. If you live in a squatter camp, you've got many neighbors. I'm not saying let's go live in squatter camps. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like we choose our neighbors. Because it's much more than your birman. But it's also that. This week I had the opportunity to minister to a lady whose husband is dying who lives three houses from us. And she rang the bell and it was dark already. The boys were just asleep. And she said she locked herself out. Her husband is in the hospital and he's dying. And um, can I just phone a locksmith? I said, well, don't you have a window that's open? She says, yeah, maybe I do. Shame. The lady was totally in a state of anxiety almost. You can just, I mean, she spent the whole day at the hospital watching her husband die. Natasha and I had just settled down. We're going to watch something, spend some time together. Ministry literally rang the bell. Now, she knows me and, and we know each other, and she was glad that I spent time with the lady. Climbed through a window, opened the door, and that was it. That was what she asked for, wasn't it? It's not what she needed. So I said, ma'am, can I pray for you? She said, yes, please, let's go sit down. And I was just the ear. I was love. Laying down a little bit of my very short evening, because <laughs> the boys only fall asleep after eight, just to be there, just to minister. And you know what? I'm not blowing my trumpet, I'm just sharing that I was more blessed than an episode of Netflix would have blessed me. Because there's purpose to being a friend of God. There's identity there. Love one another deeply. This could also be translated, go on into maturity. Go on into maturity. To go into, world, into the world, mission, ministry. However, we are invited to both mature and the commission. It speaks of both. Go into the world, bring my son a bride. What an adventure. What a purpose. What an honor. Think about it. Abraham had many servants. But one had the privilege of finding a wife for the future heir, for his son. What have you set your heart, your focus, and your attention on? Another way we can ask this question is, what are you aiming at? We're still in January, we can still change our focus, our attention, we can still change our aim. James 4 speaks about the fact that we cannot be friends of the world and friends of God. We have to choose. We have to choose. Now, if I think about 
this concept, a lot of your friends, a lot of my friends, were introduced to me by other friends. Isn't that true? Sometimes a friend introduces you, and you and the new person that you introduced to, you become better friends than you and that other person were. Now, if we're all invited to be friends with God, just think how many friends of God we're going to befriend. And that's community. So if we are growing deeper in our relationship with God, we should be, by default, growing deeper in our relationship with each other. And that's the beauty of community. And the beauty of friendship is it's never perfect, is it? I know I'm not perfect, so sometimes I need to say sorry to my friends. But in community we can support each other. We can befriend each other and we can be closer than brothers. You know, Paul writes in Romans 12 and he says, Individually, we are parts one of another. The Amplified says, we are mutually dependent on each other. That's what the Word says. Whether you believe it or not, that doesn't determine whether you're dependent on other people. Lone rangers get shot. Lucky Luke is only lucky every now and then. We are in need of community. Verse 6 there says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Having then gifts differing according to the grace. What I've always thought about that verse is, there's a grace on Benro, and there's a grace on Keith, and there's a grace on Impi, and there's a grace on Marlisa, and we all, according to that grace, we have a gift. That's not what that verse says. Because then God picks favorites. The grace is... That our gifts differ. Isn't that amazing? It's God's grace that we're not all the same. Praise God. Amen. Shame if you're all like me. No, we get to be different. We get to be ourselves. And we get to bring who we are, what we have, and what we want to do and can do, what we've been graced to do to the family so that we are all richer for it. In a friend circle, let's make it something simple. One of your friends, maybe you, are really good at brying. Paul says it's him. That's why I'm friends with him. Someone else can maybe make a, a killer curry. Okay? No one. <laughs> John, you're the curry king, I see. Okay. I'm making a note here. Armand's Krefinier. So we've got Bri, we've got curry. Let's make one more example. What is a, who, who's the dessert queen? Who's the dessert queen here? Sunay is in kids' church. She's the dessert queen. Yes, she is. Okay. So now say we have a social and we have to bry every day. I won't mind, but some people will. <laughs> we are like the Israelites, like, again, manna. Yeah, the supernatural meat. Um, Bread that tastes like honey from heaven, that, that you didn't work for, didn't pay for, yeah. They complained about it. We were too. We're human. Okay? But if we have to bry every day, it loses the, the value of it. If we have to eat curry every day, it loses the value of it. We can eat dessert every day, that's fine. Okay? <laughs> Not a great example. 
But you see, if you have a friendship circle where you have different skills, and I'm very, being very carnal, their whole friendship circle is, is, is richer for it. That's why I tell people, if you don't come to church, if you don't come to life group, if you don't come to dream team, it's not only you that miss out, we miss out. Because you bring something we don't have. You bring a revelation of a verse that we haven't gotten yet because God has given it to you to share it with us. And if you don't come, you miss out. Of course you do, but we do too. And that's really how we should see life. How we should see church. We come to participate, not spectate. So it is a grace that our gifts differ. Verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. I love verse 11. It says, Never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the Spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. You can serve God through gritted teeth or you can do it enthusiastically. That's up to you. But we'd appreciate it if you do it more enthusiastically. <laughs> it will be nicer for all of us. Seeking wisdom. The Amplified of verse 12 says, Constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfastly and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. That speaks of humility. You know, in church, we really have a body, not just of knowledge, but of wisdom. There's many people here who knows great things about many things. You get to draw from that if you're part of the church. But no one can force you. If you have an issue, a decision, a relational complicated issue... If you don't draw from the body, you don't, you don't draw from the body. But you get to. The word says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Now what people do is they listen to YouTube and they speak to this guy. Why not pick your counselors in church? Why don't speak to me and I can say, hey, speak to so and so. They've dealt with this or they're dealing with this or they've gone through this. And maybe it's outside of our domain, and then we'll say so. Okay, we can't be all things to all people. <laughs> but we can maybe help you. Are you seeking counsel, wisdom, guidance, and strength? You get what you ask for, remember? Matthew 7, 7. If you don't ask, you don't receive. If you don't seek, you don't find. Romans twelve thirteen then continues and says, Contributing to the needs of God's people. Pursuing the practice of hospitality. When last have you invited someone over for a meal? In the first church, they did it daily. I know our culture is different, our time is different, but it's not about how fancy you can be. It's not about how much money you have. You can have soup and bread. I think one of the best Sundays we've had here is that Sunday when we did roosterkoeken. We'll do roosterkoeken soon again. Rooster cooker is not expensive. But we were practicing hospitality and we were connecting to many people, many of you. If you weren't here, you missed out. And we missed out because we could have had more if you helped. <laughs> so, where do we conclude? Where does this leave us? We're looking at being invited 
to see our relationship with God the way He sees it. That's really what we're being invited to. God is not going to change the relationship that He has with us. We only get a revelation of the relationship that we're having with God. Now some guys, you, maybe you're married. Let's take a married example. It's safer. You were eyeing that girl and she didn't know it. And you were praying, God, open her eyes. Amen. <laughs> let, me, let her see all of me. Amen. Whatever you pray. But you were affectionate towards someone who wasn't aware of that. Or maybe she became aware and then that's that, that's that awkward stage, isn't it? God so loved the world that He sent His Son to open the way. How many people do you and I know that do not know that God is in love with them? Who's going to tell them? You see, Abraham didn't go find a wife for his son. He sent the servant. God is sending me and you. He's given us the privilege of inviting a world that he's already loving. That his love from the foundation of the earth to come and be married to the Son. A verse we use at weddings often, Proverbs 18.22 says, Who finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor of the Lord. If I did your wedding, I used it there. Can I share with you the eternal application of that verse? You see, the verse doesn't say he who finds a wife for himself. Abraham's servant found a wife and obtained favor from the Lord. We are invited to find the wife of the Son. Ministry, mission, purpose. And every person we bring into contact with Christ, we are finding a wife. We're finding a good thing. We're obtaining favor of the Lord. Did Isaac's servant have favor? He hasn't even finished the prayer. And the blessing was there. Rebecca was the answer. He obtained favor. From the Lord. Are you looking to find a wife for the king? Once I've seen this, there's so many examples in the word actually. Where other people are sent out to find a wife for the king. For time's sake we won't go through all of them, but there's many. Are we searching the earth... Like Abraham's servant searched the earth to find a wife for Isaac. Are we walking in our destiny 
as an intimate friend of God, our identity, and living out our purpose of asking the hand of the bride, which is ministry. And if we are, then we're living in God's favor. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Passion Translation says, Some friendships don't last for long. But there is one loving friend who is joined to your heart closer than any other. Speaking about Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Because maybe you don't have that friend who's closer than a brother. Or maybe you and your brother are so close that there's no space for another friend to come into that space. Or to be closer. Or your sister. It doesn't speak about that. The verse speaks of, have you found Christ? Are you a friend of God? A philo, a phileo love relationship there of laying down your life and picking up that. Of that friend, Jesus, who is closer than a brother. Joined to your heart. The word in Hebrew here means to be joined together, to stick close, to cleave and to pursue. John 3.29 says, He is the bridegroom and the bride belongs to Him. Remember, not to us. We're not drawing people to us. We're drawing people to Christ. Yes, we get to mature them. We get to disciple them. But we disciple them into a relationship with God, not with us. You see, that's why we can send off John and Trudy with, with a blessing. And in our hearts, really, there's a blessing because we haven't drawn them to us. They are married to Jesus. And they need to serve Jesus where Jesus says, not where Peter says. I am the friend, a family member of the bridegroom. You see, John 3.29 speaks of that friend, that bridegroom, that best man. But it is the best that we can explain this is it is as if you asked your brother to be your best man. Not because you had to, but because you wanted to. That's the relationship. That's the intimacy. That's what our language allows for us to explain this. I am the friend of the bridegroom, the family member who stands nearby and listens with great joy. You know who's this? This is John the Baptist. What an example of ministry. And his disciples come to him and says, Yo, I don't know if they called him master or cockroach eater or what they called him. But they say, we have a problem. I say, what's the problem? He says, there's more people in Jesus' camp than is in our camp. There's a lot of churches in Stellenbosch that's more people this morning than us. Don't be worried. But John says, I don't see the problem. I mean, now you can think finances, you can think following, you can think job security. He says, but that was always the plan. Prepare the way for the Lord. He always drew people unto Christ, not unto Him. And he says, I need to become less and He more. You know, even when I do a wedding, I've realized that there's a place where I just step into the background because it's really not about me. <laughs> I don't want to spoil your photos. Because really, as the, 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 as the, the best man is there, 
with the bridegroom before the bride walks in. You've seen it. And when the bride's a little late, then you're very glad if you have a good best man, because he's the one who keeps you calm, and you can chat about it, things, and keeps your mind occupied. The moment the bride walks in, best man, sorry, <laughs> the bridegroom has forgotten about you. But that was always the purpose. As soon as we've introduced people to Christ, we need to step back. Because that is the relationship that we're pursuing, not with us. Yes, we're here to disciple, to, to mature, to equip, to make that relationship stronger. And in that we get to do it as family. So John says he is, and in fact he was Jesus' cousin, wasn't he? But he saw him as the best man. He is the bridegroom, not me. The bride belongs to him, not me. Because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. It is necessary for him to increase and for me to decrease. Isn't that beautiful? John got it. John got it. He says, My joy is fulfilled when people cling to Jesus. He's the one who said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Everyone was looking at John. The spotlight was on him, if we want to use that analogy. And he took the spotlight and he said, Show, Shine on him. Not me, but he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. You're looking to have a joyful year. Hopefully. You're having maybe difficulties and you're wanting to obtain favor of the Lord. Maybe you're lonely. All of those questions are answered this morning. In your friendship relationship that God is inviting you to. I'm asking you again, how do you see yourself? How's your relationship with God? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Do you see yourself as a friend of God? He does not call us servants. He calls you friend. And we can spend weeks unpacking what that means and how we should walk that out. But let's start at the start. And let's start enjoying the access that we have to Him. The friendship, the love, the intimacy. And let's not forget that we also have one another to cheer us on. To remind us who we are and who we are. Find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.